Well, I'm excited to introduce this morning a new friend of mine, uh, Mike Tilly. Mike Tilly is a longtime staff member with Crew, a ministry many of you are familiar with. He was uh, worked with their international group for a long time, and then he was the founding pastor of Lake Baldwin Church in Orlando, Florida, and pastored there for many years. Uh, now he serves as a, an elder of that church and as pastor emeritus, uh, but he also serves as the pastor at large for the International Christian Community of Eurasia, uh, which is a consortium of international churches that we belong to at ICP, and so that's how We've gotten to know each other a little bit uh, over the last several months. Uh, anecdotally, when Mike and I were first getting to know each other, we put together that we attended the same church, uh, Stony Point Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia, around 1984-1985, when one of us was in primary school and the other one was a, a young parent. I won't say which was which, um, but that was a fun connection to make, and so uh, glad to have Mike. So come on forward, Mike. Thank you, Mike, and I hope that after that introduction, your mind is not running numbers to add up how old I might be. It is really an honor to be at the International Church of Prague. We have known about this church for many, many years. I'm acquainted with people that have been pastors here over the years, and now I'm so glad to get to, get to know Mike and Vale and, uh, and their family, and we're so grateful for, uh, for you guys that are here. We're, we're so thankful even coming here today, once again, this is about our third time to visit here, but just the welcome that you have already extended to us. Before we do our scripture reading this morning, I'd like to tell you about a life-changing event that happened in, happened in my life about eight years ago. I uh, went to the doctor for what we call our annual doctor's visit or our annual physical, and in preparation for that for that visit, I had to have my blood drawn, and I found out that what doctors do is that they can look at your blood and they can learn a lot about your health. I don't know how that works, but my blood was drawn, and, and then the do- I went to the doctor and he gave me a health report. A lot, of it was, a lot of it was okay, it was really good, but he said, Mike, there's this one area that you're going to have to be careful about. And he showed me on this graph the direction of my, the sort of the sugar count in my body. And he said, if you continue the way that you are going, it's not going to be good for your health. And once I saw the data, once the doctor talked to me about that, I had to have a turning point in my life. I had to change my life. What that meant was a lot less sugar over the last, ever since then, a lot less sugar. Now, a lot of you are out there thinking, Mike, how can that even be a problem? I mean, I have no struggle giving up sugar. Well, I didn't give it up totally, by the way, still really enjoy it. Uh, But uh, one of the things I used to do was I used to have a big bowl of ice cream every night. There would be hot fudge on that ice cream. There would be peanuts on that ice cream. And I have never been able to have a bowl of ice cream since then for eight years. Now, that is a, that is a turning point in my life. But I'm so glad for that turning point. I'm still a happy person. It's okay. Now, ice cream is not bad. I'm not, you know, it's not a sermon against ice cream. It was just me having to kind of cut back 
on my sugar. Now, my wife probably told me for years I shouldn't have that bowl of ice cream every night. She noticed other things about me. But the whole thing really had a great outcome, having that turning point. Well, why do I tell that story? Well, in the same way, and, and I know that, uh, that Pastor Mike is going through a series uh, about the life of the church, and so it's kind of providential that this worked out because I'm going to talk about the marks of a healthy church. And in the same way that I needed to understand what was happening in my life to kind of get a handle on my health and have this, dirt, this turning point, we need to think about the health of the church and what are the marks of church health. And fortunately, this morning, we are not without a doctor. We together this morning can actually pay a visit to the doctor, not Mike Tilley as your doctor, but the Bible. So we're going to read a passage of Scripture from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I would say we need look no further than that passage to give us an amazing health checkup. And you know what, you guys? It could result in a turning point for our lives this morning. So let's hear God's word from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. You'll see it on the screens behind me, or you can look it up in your phone or your Bible. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the inspired word of God. Well, uh, to make this sermon uh, easy for you to follow in the brief time that we have together, I'm actually going to tell you my three-point outline right now so that you know where we're going to go to as we go through this passage. So we're going to talk about the sermon title is The Marks of a Healthy Church, and we're going to see three things in this passage that we just read from you. Number one, we're going to talk about the signs of health. How do we know that that uh, we're healthy spiritually as a church. But number two, we're going to look at the source of health. How do we have good health as a church? Where does that come from? 
And then thirdly, we are going to look at, and you can understand I needed an, another word that began with an S, and so it might feel like a little bit of a stretch here, the spreading of health. Now, don't think about like the spreading of butter or something like that, but the spreading of good health even beyond our church here. So those are our three points. So let's talk, first of all, about the signs of a healthy church. What are the signs? And we might, uh, we might have in our minds different things that make a church exciting or fun or interesting or engaging or what we might think is healthy. We might think, well, a large church means it's a healthy church. Or we might think a church that has a really cool building or maybe a church that just has amazing rock and roll worship that's high production and, and just filled with that kind of energy. Now, I'm not saying that those things are bad, but when in this visit with Dr. Paul, he actually gives us the science, the spiritual science. He tells us what are the marks of a healthy church, and there are three that we see here. We're going to see, first of all, that a healthy church is characterized by faith, and then by love, and then by hope. And I want to make a few comments about each of those so that we understand what they mean when we think about church health. The first thing we notice is, uh, and Paul is thanking God for this. If you look at verse 2, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. So in a way, Paul is saying, I'm just thankful that God has blessed you with these three things. And then he says in verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. He doesn't just say faith, he says your work of faith. Now, what is it about, what is he saying about faith here? All of us in this room know, and we actually know from the family that came up here earlier to join the church, is that the good news of the gospel is that we are saved through faith alone apart from our works. So this passage is not saying that we are saved by works, but it is saying that people who believe in Christ, there is the fruit of good works in their life. And so faith is evidenced by good works. We know about that from the book of James, which also talks about that same theme. So Paul is saying here that genuine faith leads to good works. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, did you know, by the way, that in a couple of days, October 31st, is what's known as Reformation Day. And there was this message that came out of the Reformation that started not necessarily with Martin Luther, but started with a guy in uh, in England by the name of John Wycliffe. And then John Wycliffe was kind of like this, what they we call him the morning star of the Reformation. John Wycliffe had an influence on a bo bohemian guy by the name of Jan Hus. He, he preached here, and he was influenced by that same message. And then of all things, Martin Luther was influenced by those guys. So it's as if Wycliffe was the spark and Jan Hus was the candle, and then this, this blazing fire came out of Luther, and it swept Europe during the days of the Protestant Reformation. And what was the message of grace back then? What was the message that became crystal clear? It is that people are justified 
by faith in Christ apart from works of the law? So a really good question to ask, and, if you, and in fact, if we get this, we have got the, really the secret sauce of Christianity, what makes it different from every other religion, and that is that when we believe in Christ, we recognize that his death on the cross paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future, and not only that, but because we put our faith in Christ, because of what he did, his perfect life is credited to us. In other, word, God, in other words, God treats us as if we are just as righteous as Jesus. So that was Martin Luther's big discovery, that, we, uh, that there is a righteousness by faith apart from works of the law. So now, how does that lead to works? And there's a quote I want to share with you. You'll see it on the screen. It's by a, a hymn writer by the name of William Cowper. Not sure how familiar he would be to you. But I love this quote from a hymn that was written by William Cowper. He said these words, To see the law by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, turns a slave into a child and duty into choice. You see, that's the power of the gospel. Think about those words. Let me me share them with you again. To see the law by Christ fulfilled. In other words, everything God expected and demanded of human beings, Christ fulfilled all of that for us. And so we look at Jesus and we say, the law has been perfectly fulfilled. And then it says, to hear his pardoning voice, those words of Jesus that say, you are forgiven, you are pardoned of all your sins. No wonder that ignited a revolution with Martin Luther, to hear his pardoning voice. And what that does inside of our hearts, he says it turns a slave into a child. Because we were slaves to religion. We were slaves to works righteousness. We were slaves to sin. But because of the gospel, we are children of God. Mike prayed in in that regard. We can now say, our Father who is in heaven, we are beloved children of God. It turns a slave into a child. And get this, it turns duty into choice. And if you're a believer in Christ, and if you get this gospel message, the good news that you and I need to have a reset in every week at church, which we will with the Lord's Supper later, the good news is that we now have a part of us that desires to obey God, that wants to love God, that wants to obey God. That is the miracle of Christianity, and we can't earn it. It is a gift of God. Well, it's not only faith that Paul talks about here that is an indicator of, of, of health, but also love. So he goes on in this verse, if you look again at verse 3, not only your work of faith, but your labor of love. Now, what does he mean by labor of love? Well, in the same way that genuine faith leads to good works, a desire to obey God, genuine love leads to labor. Paul says in the next chapter, when he visited the Thessalonian church, he said, I labored day and night. He wanted to do it. Now, how does this work? Because sometimes uh, Christian ministry, Christian work, serving in the church can be hard work, and it can actually be labor. But what Paul noticed here is a labor that was driven by love. Now, how does that work? Well, I'll give you an example. I'll tell you about my wife, Molly. Uh, when uh, Molly is like all of us here, she, you know, sometimes she feels tired. Sometimes she 
uh, feels like, hey, I'm just worn out and I'm just weary and I don't have a lot to give. And uh, so I'll be with Molly and say, yeah, I feel that way too, or I get that. But something different happens whenever our grandchildren visit us. Molly and I have six grandchildren, and we have one on the way. And this, this supposedly tired woman, when the grandchildren are there, she just t- her energy goes to a new level. And she is up all hours of the night. I'm, I'm like 9.30. I've hit a wall. I'm going to bed. But Molly's got to stay up with our kids and stay up with her grandkids. And she just has all this energy. Now, the truth be known, I'm the one that gets up with the grandchildren really early in the morning, not Molly. I'm the one picking up Cheerios off the floor of our kitchen and chasing blueberries all over the floor because of what the kids are doing. But what I'm saying is that because of the love that's in Molly's heart, it makes her want to, it, to labor on behalf of our kids and our grandchildren. And that's a little bit what love does for us when we fall in love with Jesus, when we fall in love with God's people. And so I know that everyone in this church is so thankful. We just talked about about membership vows, where you vow to serve and you vow to give. And it is a powerful, powerful thing when people learn that they do that out of love, just like Molly with the kids. There's a third thing here, a third indication, not only work of faith, labor of love, but also steadfastness of hope. Now, uh, perhaps you've heard this from Mike before or or elsewhere, but when the Bible talks about the word hope, it's not talking about a hope-so hope. It's talking about a no-so hope. It's a certainty of God's promises for the future. And what Paul says here, in the same way that faith leads to works and love leads to labor, that hope leads to steadfastness or perseverance. And that's the power of the hope. And the reason that's so important is that you and I get weary with life. I wonder if you ever just want to give up and you just want to quit the Christian life, maybe because of a struggle with sin, maybe because of a very difficult relationship in your family or at work, maybe because of of health issues, maybe because of aging, maybe because of disappointment where you you have a prayer that wasn't answered, but there, there are times in the Christian life where you will be tempted to give up. And what Paul says is that the gospel gives us a hope that makes us keep going. So let me illustrate that. Um, last summer, we actually did visit uh, this church and we had a wonderful time of worship, but in my new role, I have to work with church planters and other international churches. So for the first time in our life, we went to Lisbon, Portugal. Don't know if you've ever been to Lisbon, Portugal. Beautiful city. And we decided when we had a day off, we would go to Old Town. Now, Old Town Lisbon has hills that are like this steep. And it's got all these old buildings and narrow narrow streets and all this history and colors and beauty and all this kind of stuff. But me being in charge, we got lost in Old Town. So there we were, wandering around. Not only were we lost, but we were weary. And I said to myself, I said, you know, I know that they have these trolleys in Lisbon, like really famous old trolleys that'll like take you up the hill. And if I get to the trolleys, I'll be okay. And so there were Molly and I, we were so tempted to give up. We were just so weary. And then we saw some other tourists coming our way. And I decided to ask them. I said, are there trolleys ahead? 
are there any trolleys coming up? And they said, yeah, you just keep walking this direction and you're going to get to the trolleys. And suddenly Molly and I had this new energy. We had steadfastness. We had perseverance because we knew that up ahead would be the trolleys. Now what the Bible teaches, and we see at the end of this chapter, is that one day, I mean, you're, I, I appreciate again Mike's prayer, praying for the Middle East, praying for Russia and Ukraine and all of that, because you and I look around and the world is crazy. And we're so weary from that. But there is a promise from God that one day he will make all things new and Jesus will return and it renews our hope. There is a trolley up ahead for all Christians to know that and that keeps us going. So isn't that great? What Paul says about faith and hope and love, those are the signs of a healthy church. See, now we know. We know what a healthy church looks like. We know what we're shooting for here. And we know what God is already doing at the International Church of Prague. Now, after my doctor's appointment, of course, I had to think about if I'm not going to eat ice cream, what am I going to eat? And so I had to you know, kind of rethink my routines and my workouts and all that kind of stuff. And what we get to in the next part of the sermon is we've heard about the signs of health, now the source of health. Where does that come from? And there are three things that I want you to see in this passage. The first one is in verse 4. Paul says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So the first resource, the first nutrient, if you will, for a healthy church is the love of God and for a healthy Christian life. And he says, he says, I know that you are brothers, you are loved by God because he has chosen you. What that means is before you ever knew about God, he knew about you. Before you ever loved God, God loved you, and he could look down the corridor of time and see you at your very worst, and he could still choose to love you. And it's like, uh, it's, it's like we would be with our kids. You know, the, Our kids are secure because they know that we will always love them. And so you and I, because we're so performance-oriented, because we seek love in all kinds of different places... When we come together for worship, we need to be reminded of the love of God. And Paul says, we know God's love for you and God's choice of you. And then there's a second thing that we see in this passage. He says in verse 4, talks about the love of God. But look at verse 5. He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So the second thing in this, according to this passage that is a source of a healthy church is the Word of God, the Word of God. The Bible that we are looking at right now, uh, and the Reformers understood this. This is a means of grace. It is a channel of God's power. Paul even says here that it's not just the words, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that accompanied those words. That's what we prayed God would do this morning in this church. And so the second thing is the word of God. And uh, I, remember, I remember visiting ICP this past summer, and uh, you guys were going through a series on the life of David. And I got to sit there and listen to a sermon that was based upon the word of God. And I cannot overstate 
how powerful and how important it is for us to be fed the Word of God in a church just like this one. And not only that, in our personal Bible study and our personal reading. So that's the second nutrient, and the second source of a healthy church is the Word of God. And there's a third one that I want to mention here, and this also came out in the, uh, in the membership vows when those of you that have joined the church, and, and, I, and I listen to, I, I love the question that is asked of the congregation, because the question is, will you encourage these people that are joining our church? And so the third source of church health is the fellowship of the saints. It is what the Apostles' Creed calls, says, I believe in the communion of the saints. Paul talks about that a little bit later in chapter 5, verse 11. And let me just read that to you. Chapter 5 and verse 11, Dr. Paul says here to us as a church, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You see how, you see how encouragement adds to church health? You, say, you see why it's valuable to plug into a home group, why it's valuable to, to bring your family to church even if you don't always feel like doing it because you know what's going to happen there is you're going to get these means of grace, these channels of grace, the love of God, the word of God, the fellowship with God, and even the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is one of the ways that God strengthens our faith as we feed upon Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'll do that in just a few minutes. You know, I remember um, hiking one time, uh, hiking in the mountains, and we were at a very high altitude. I would estimate that it was 3,000 meters that we were up and we were hiking, and I couldn't believe it. And back, back in those days, I was a really in-shape person, but we, we were hiking up, and I got to where I could hardly move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get enough oxygen. And sometimes in our lives, we, we struggle and we sort of run out of energy because we need outside resources to help us out. And I really needed that oxygen. And sometimes we misunderstand the Christian life. We think the Christian life is, well, just work harder or you know, think the right thoughts or whatever it might be, when really, really what we need is simply these means of grace, the love of God, the word of God, the fellowship, communion, baptism, things like that. Those are the things that are the nutrients and the source of being healthy in the Christian life and as a church. Talk about one last uh, point in this passage, uh, and that is we've talked about the signs of spiritual health. We've talked about the source of spiritual health, where that comes from. Uh, but Thirdly, the spreading of health. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, if you go on in this passage, it says in verse 8, uh, Paul says, of the Thessalonian church, which, by the way, is in the Bible as an example of a healthy church, I think. But not only has the word of the Lord, verse 8, sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. He says, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. The idea of sounding forth means it's like a trumpet. 
And you see, one of the things that's beautiful about this church, and I noticed it last summer, and actually happened again this morning, is that so many of you are from different countries around the world. In fact, I believe that God and his providence is moving people from all over the world to the cities of Europe. You could go to the cities of Europe right now, Prague, other cities, and it is amazing how many people are coming from Africa and the Middle East and Asia and from all over the world. And one of the, the things that God is using, it's not the only thing, but one of the things that God is using is the international English-speaking church, a church just like this one. And one of the things that's, that's, that's great about it, one of the hard things about it, as you all know, is that when somebody that's been here for a long time goes back to their home country or moves somewhere else, and maybe that's just the nature of their life and the nature of their job. And we're so grateful that for those of you that stick around for years that are here because it gives real stability to the church. But there's a beautiful thing when this church can send out people back to other countries. They come here for a while. Maybe they find Christ. Maybe they fall in love with Jesus. Maybe they grow in their faith and they go back and they can have an impact on others. And that is what's happening through ICP, by the way, already has over the years since you were founded. And that's what was happening through the Thessalonian church. You see, there's something about uh, the international church and there's something about God's plan for the church that the effects of this church can be felt in Prague through your relationships and the way you serve others and as your salt and light in your workplace, but also all over the world. And I think that's a great, great thing that Paul noticed about this church. You know, he closes with something that I think is really good. Um, we talked at the beginning of this message about how when I visited the doctor, it was a turning point in my life. And I would like in these final couple of minutes to invite all of you to think about from this morning in what ways this passage of scripture could be a turning point for your life. And I want to say a word, first of all, to those who might be here this morning, and you're not 100% sure that you could take those membership vows because those membership vows were not about joining an organization. They're really about professing faith in Christ, accepting Christ as a Savior and confessing him as Lord. And, and we're so glad that you're here because you're on a faith journey. And this is a church that welcomes you, even if you've not yet made that decision to put your faith in Christ. But when you come and you hear the word of God and you, you learn about genuine faith and you learn that the gospel is such good news, there's a part of you that wants to open up your heart to that message of grace. And Paul talks about that in verse 9. He says, for they themselves, because this, this is how church health started for Thessalonica. They themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and get this, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There was a pastor in London by the name of John Stott, and he says, there is no shorter summary of what it means to become a Christian than this verse. Because when they heard the gospel, they turned from their idols, whether they were literal idols or other things that they were worshiping instead of God. And they put their faith in Christ. They turned to God and they started serving God. 
You see how the gospel was a turning point for them? And there's an invitation in this verse for you if you've never put your faith in Christ. And that is that you can turn from trying to earn your salvation, turn from unbelief, turn from whatever it is that's holding you back. And in simple faith in Christ, you can put your faith in Christ. That was the discovery of Jan Hus and Martin Luther and John Wycliffe. And you can discover that turning point this morning. Close with one quick story. There was a, uh, a, teen, there was a family from Afghanistan. I talked about how people from part, different parts of the world would come into the cities of Europe. There was a family that were refugees from Af- Afghanistan several years ago. And I remember going to a church, an international church just like this one in Munich, Germany. And this church, that church took in this family. And I remember speaking at their church retreat, and they always have these baptisms at the church retreat. And there was this teenager from this Afghan family who, this, this verse happened to her, she turned to Christ. And I was able to actually observe her being baptized uh, after she came to faith in Christ. And it was just such, such a beautiful thing. And I think that, that typifies what is happening here. Well, we're going uh, to wrap it up because we're going to go to the Lord's Supper right now. But as we, as we finish this time, would you take a moment and bow with me in prayer as we pray about what we've heard this morning? Lord, we're so uh, grateful that you've not left us without um, clear guidance from Scripture about how to lead a healthy Christian life. Lord, you've not left us without the instructions that we need to follow you. Lord, we pray that perhaps this morning could be a turning point for believers to renew their commitment to the means of grace and the sources of spiritual health. And even for those who have not yet received you as Savior and Lord, to turn to you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.